Welcome to All Turns and No Breaks with Cam and Renee. This isn't an ordinary show. This is NASCAR Talk for fans by fans. And welcome back to another episode of All Turns No Breaks with Tam and Renee. I am Renee. She is Tam. Hey, hey. Hey, hey, Tam. What's up with you, Renee? How are you? I'm good. I'm doing great. Are you ready for this show? Oh, I am ready for every show. And this show is going to be good. And you're going to tell us why, Tam. Well, we got a lot to talk about. We're going to give you the Michigan recap. We're going to talk about that move that Kyle Larson put on Martin Truex Jr. to win the race. We're going to break down the playoff standings, of course, give you the top 10 from Michigan. We're also going to talk about all the drama. As you know, Casey Kane is without a team, but Rick Hendrick has promised to find a team for him. So we'll see how that works out. Renee's going to give you the weekly Dale Jr. update because Dale Even if this guy doesn't want to be in the news, he's always in the news. Shortly after we posted last week's podcast, there was drama between, well, it wasn't really drama between him and Kevin Harvick, but Kevin Harvick had a lot to say that angered all of NASCAR nation. So we're going to talk about that. There's real drama between Kurt Busch and Brad Keselowski. And when I say real drama, it's resorted to name calling. So we're going to talk about that for sure. And we're going to give you our fan comment of the week as well as talk about something I feel. And it hasn't been much in the news about it, but we need to talk about NASCAR's future because there's a lot going on, whether it's the young drivers taking over and the veteran drivers not really having a place. It's just a lot going on. And then there was some something now, I guess, as of this weekend, NASCAR is not publishing the drivers winning. So that's a whole nother thing. Before we get into the show, Renee, how was your weekend? A weekend was fantastic. It was very nice, relaxing. Not a whole lot of uh, partying like uh, I think there normally is uh, used to me having. But um, uh, it was just nice and relaxing to kick back, and I sat and was able to watch a little bit of the race as well. So not much going on my weekend. How about yours? My weekend was pretty quiet. I watched the race as I do every Sunday. We know this because it's almost like I don't have a life, but that's not true. I have somewhat of a life. But on Sundays, my life is NASCAR. Oh, Ray Donovan. What else do I watch on Sunday? So, okay, let me give you guys a quick picture of my Sundays. You're not a Game of Thrones person though, are you? No Game of Thrones, but I go to the gym every Sunday, Sunday morning. Then I come home, prepare, get ready to watch the race because I know you East Coasters are upset that the races come on so late, but it works out for us West Coasters because that means the race doesn't come on to about 12 o'clock or so. So I prepare for the race, hop on Twitter, chat with all of you guys to see your thoughts engage in some conversation, talk some NASCAR, and then I prepare for the evening, which consists of Power, Ray Donovan, Fear of the Walking Dead, Claws. I feel like I'm missing some shows, but yeah, that's my Sunday. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, well, let's do it. Okay, well, let's jump into Michigan. How about your boy, Kyle Larson? Wow, Kyle Larson just comes through with not just 
an amazing comeback, but with an amazing, uh, I don't know what that was, uh, a, a, a stunt, uh, uh, I don't know, some James Bond move that he made there at the, at the end. That definitely was a restart of his career. I mean, because you know just as much as I do, Tam, it's always the restarts that would kill Kyle Larson. And somehow he pulled a rabbit out of that hat. And man, what a move he put on Martin Truex Jr. That move was so sweet. It was, Martin Truex wasn't it? Jr. Look, Martin Truex Jr. couldn't even be mad. It was so sweet. Yeah, I think if I he would have put that move on Kyle Busch, even Kyle Busch, who always has something to say, wouldn't have been mad. It was so nice. Yeah, yeah, I think he would have. <laughs> the race itself. I, you know, I was rooting for Matt Kenseth. I thought at one moment Matt was going to pull something out. And on that last restart, I don't know, he went all the way to the back. It actually was pretty sad because I think he ended up in 24th place. And again, he was, I think he was like top 10 on the restart, but he just couldn't get it going and he fell back. And that was pretty much the end for him. Aside from that, what else was kind of... What else happened in that race? You know, I'm going to be honest. I took a nap. Sorry. You know what? That's always the great thing about NASCAR, uh, watching the uh, watching the races, is that, you know, sometimes you don't have to watch the entire race. I mean, it's okay if you take a, a, a small nap here or there, or you get up and you, you, you do something real quick in the kitchen or whatever, but you can always come back to the race and just kind of like see what's really, really going on because they're, they're either talking about it, going over it, or it's going to be replayed. Well, my nap wasn't that long. I think like I may have dozed off for 10 minutes. I don't feel like I missed much, but I feel like I did miss something. I think I caught everything. You know what? That restart was such the business that nothing else mattered in that race, to be quite honest. I know Casey Kane had crashed out. Yeah, you know, kind of got of, um, yeah, it was Daniel, uh, Daniel Suarez. Oh, it was I Daniel believe. Suarez. Yeah. I don't know why. You sure it wasn't Ryan Blaney? No, Ryan Blaney, I think was with, uh, maybe, maybe I think it was something to do with Joey Logano, but, uh, it, I, and don't quote me on that, but I know definitely the Casey Kane and Daniel Suarez hooked up and it was just an unfortunate thing because both of them just really like wrecked each other's cars out and uh, and I don't think it was anybody's fault uh as far as like anything intentional I think it was just one of those things where it was just a misjudgment maybe where Kane was was at and where Daniel thought he was and they just clipped each other and then it just ruined both of their days so Good thing about it wasn't there wasn't a whole lot of uh wrecks in in this particular race as there as there has been that's probably why I took a nap. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think you're probably so. Speaking of Daniel and Casey Kane, as we know, Casey Kane is in the playoffs because he won a race, but Daniel Suarez is not in the playoffs because he's yet to win in his rookie campaign. But I do believe he will end. Well, you know, he won a stage, but who's to say the vote may be swayed and go to Eric Jones in regards to the rookie of the year. But that's yet to be determined. What is to be determined is the top 10. So I'm going to break it down for you. The top 10 from Michigan consisted of Larson putting a move. We can't say that enough. He put the move of all moves on Truex and took home the checker flag. Truex Jr. came in second. Jones came in third. Ryan Newman quietly came in fourth. And I do recall seeing him smile when he was being interviewed after the race. And I was like, wait, was that a smile? Not that this guy never smiles, but that was, it was like a really big smile. 
So he clearly was happy about that top five. Trevor Bain, a name we hardly ever call in the top 10, let alone the top five. Wait, I don't even recall ever calling his name in the top 10. (laughs) But yeah, Trevor Bain came home in P5. Chris Buescher quietly, another top 10 finish for this guy. He came in six. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Austin Dillon, seventh. Chase Elliott is keeping his playoff hopes alive purely through points. He came in eighth place. Although I'm kind of like Kyle Petty, and I think we have this as something we're going to cover a little later. He made some comments about Chase not not really performing the way he should, but we'll talk about that a little later. Jamie McMurray came in ninth, and Kyle Busch came in tenth. Notables included Clint Boyer, who did not come in the top 20. Clint Boyer, along with Matt Kenseth, who are both fighting for pretty much the last couple of playoff spots. You would have thought both of these guys would have showed up. Instead, they showed out back in the pack with a 23rd place finish for Clint Boyer and a 24th place finish for Matt Kenseth. Yeah. And because we have to mention this, Dell Jr. came in 14th. Which so, is not bad considering where, where he's been ending up in these races. Yeah, or not ending but up. Just hoping for something better for this guy. So, on that note, really quick, I like to say that really quick, but it's never really quick. Playoffs. Truex Jr. sits at the top of the playoff pitchers by himself because he's accumulated so many points. That is ridiculous at this point. In fact, he won a, what did he win stage two in Michigan? I think it was, yeah, I think it was the second stage. So there you have it. Larson is in second place in the playoffs. Jimmy Johnson third, Brad Kozlowski fourth, Kyle Bush fifth, Ricky Stenthouse Jr. Because remember, he has two wins. Two, two wins. Yeah. Is in sixth place. Kevin Harvick seventh. Ryan Blaney, 8th, Denny Hamlin, ninth, Kurt Busch, 10th, Ryan Newman, 11th, Casey Kane, 12th, and Austin Dillon, 13th. All of those guys have won a race. There are three races left, and there are three guys who are in the playoffs based on points, and that includes Chase Elliott, who's currently in 14th place, Jamie McMurray, who is in 15th place, and my quiet assassin, Matt Kenseth, who's holding on to 16th place. So if the playoffs started today, those guys would be in. It's worth noting that Clint Boyer is in 17th, and Clint and Matt are kind of right there. They're on the bubble, Either huh? one of them can get in. Joy Logano is in 18th place, and not that we need to remind you anymore, but he has one win that was ruled encumbered by NASCAR. So he's out unless he wins. Eric Jones is in 19th and Daniel Suarez is in 20th. So that is your playoff picture. Wow. Wow is correct. Yeah. It's just amazing because it's just like some of those names that you said, those are the names that we're used to seeing in the playoffs. And a lot of these newer names and these these younger drivers are are the ones that are replacing some of those guys. It's just crazy. It's actually kind of funny. Just seeing how it's turned from one year. You know what I mean? Renee, we can look at the top 10 from Michigan. You had Chris Busher, Trevor Bain, 
Eric, Eric Jones. Jones. Like these aren't names that we're familiar with. Yeah. And we're going to talk about this at the very end of the show, but this brings up the point. What is the state of NASCAR? Yeah. Because now you got a lot of people, a lot of drivers that mm-hmm. we don't know much about. So how can the sport survive when you have these drivers? And I mean, you know, Kyle Larson is a superstar in the making. Chris Busher, Trevor Bain. I don't really see the fans embracing these guys the way they embrace veterans. And I mean, at right. some point, the veterans were the rookies or the new guys on the block. But I just feel like it's a little bit different. But that's a conversation for later. So what I do want to jump into right now is some driver's talk. And that includes our first driver on the list, Chase Elliott. As I mentioned earlier, Kyle Petty had made a comment on air at the end of the race about Chase. And I'm paraphrasing, but it seems like Chase is always apologizing, saying we got to do better. And Kyle Petty was like, don't say you got to do better, pretty much do better. Like yeah. he's out and he's out of excuses at this point. You're driving for Hendrick Motorsports. What is the problem? Right. And um, especially because he's not closing. He's there but not closing. I think part of that is the team and the ownership looking at how successful that Kyle Larson has been and they're I think they were expecting either Chase Elliott to be as successful are more successful or at least performing somewhat to that that level of what Kyle Larson has been and because he hasn't I think that's you know kind of prompted prompted some of these these comments. Renee, my thing is if we had to say one driver was the chosen one, he was the chosen one. Now, not I, yeah, Kyle Larson. I agree with you. Like totally your dad <laughs> is Awesome Bill from Dawsonville. And again, that's a lot of pressure, similar to the pressure that Dale Jr. faced. But at the same token, it's not like this kid can't drive. He's no, just I, yeah, not he closing. Right. You're def- he definitely can drive, but uh, I think he hit it right on the nail. I mean, he's just he is just not closing out the way he should be closing out. And he's not closing out the way I think a lot of fans expected him to close out. He's got a lot of fans in his corner. That's obvious. But uh, for some reason, it's just just really hasn't. It just really hasn't come together for him this year. Well, it didn't come together for him last year either. So, like, what is the problem? (laughs) Well, let's stay on the Hendrick Motorsports team theme Mm -hmm. and talk about Casey Kane for a moment. Oh, yeah. You know, this is such a a crazy story itself. But this is what's crazy is that the fact that we kind of knew already before all of this had started to even open up and started to be talked about in the media. But I remember me and you were even talking about this long time ago when we were like, what, where is he going? Like, what is he doing? Like, you know, it's just like, and I admit that I've even said this. I'm like, man, Casey Kane just seems like he's just giving up. Like, I'm just going through the motions. Like, I'm just showing up, getting in the car and driving. Like, I'm just driving Miss Daisy. But it's the, (laughs) I mean, not, not, and I don't mean like in a slow manner on the track. I just mean like, he's just, you know, he's just there. Like, yeah, okay. I'm going to just fill in the spots here. And I mean, and then all of a sudden, you know, he comes out of nowhere and wins this. And <laughs> he comes out of nowhere and wins that that race. And even in, in his interview afterwards and in the victory lane, he sounded so pumped up and he sounded so ready to keep moving and, and wanting to uh, drive some more. And, you know, he wanted to compete. 
And the funny thing is, is that they have already named William Byron, a 19-year-old rookie in the Xfinity series, to replace him in the number five car. But, you know, Casey Kane has adamantly said that he still wants to drive. And as a matter of fact, Hendrick is, is even still, even though he may not be uh, driving in the number five car next year, Hendrick is, is still trying to get him hooked up with some kind of car. But it all comes down to sponsorship, too. And that's the main thing. I don't think we'll see Casey Kane next year. That's just my argument. You have yeah. to think. Greg Biffle was somewhat forced out last year. Carl Edwards is out. We still think he's coming back, but at this point, I'm not. I may be second guessing my words. Right. And then you got Matt Kenseth without a ride. We got three of our veterans out. Yeah. Just simple as that. Like quick. And then you got these young guys that haven't even proven anything like William Byron in a cup car. Yeah, you're right. So Casey Kane is probably not going to have a ride next year because where is he going? And I think even Kurt Busch is still in limbo, isn't he? Yeah, but I think Kurt Busch will end up going back with Stuart Haas. And then you also have now Paul Menard is going to to the Wood Brothers, if I'm not mistaken, to drive the 21 car right. and there have been some rumblings now i i don't know 100 percent sure but i believe eric amarola's agreement with richard petty sports is up so then the 43 may be available there's rumblings that bubba wallace will get in that car but yeah. we'll talk about that as well so while we're still talking about hendrick we gotta get our dill jr update in. Oh boy. Yeah. You know, this is just the drama of all drama right here. I think this one is kind of like, we'll, we'll take the cake and we still have some other drama we need to talk and discuss about in this episode. But <laughs> this is just uh, one of those things, Tam, where I, you know, what's funny is in, in the world of social media that we live in today, normally I would say, you know, when you go do interviews or when you go on a radio show or stuff like that, you always say, I'm going to bite my tongue. But in the social media world that we live in today, sometimes I have to bite my thumbs or my fingers from stop me from tweeting something that I want to tweet just out of emotion. And, I, and I'll explain what I mean by that. And it was um, during all this Dale Jr., Kevin Harvick drama that, had been go- that has been going on for the last several days. And initially when I read what everything was about after I read everything, I honestly was really upset with Kevin Harvick. You know, this is the point where I had to like, put my phone down and like literally put my hands in my mouth so I wouldn't tweet anything like, you know, just based off of emotion. You were upset with what I was upset with Kev- about uh, Dale Jr.? Yes, I was. But and then for those of our listeners who are listening right now and, and uh, some of the people who uh, maybe don't know the full story, but I'm sure I, I would imagine that everybody knows the full story, but I'm going to go over it again just so we can all be on the same page, Tim. As you know, Dale Jr. was going on record and it happened to be talking about driver salaries as far as veterans compared to the younger drivers coming in. And he made a statement where he was comparing and talking about veteran driver salaries to the new drivers that are coming up. And I kind of understand where Kevin Harvick was upset, meaning like, well, who are you to talk about my salary? And who are you to talk about my salary on a public forum like that? But I think if he understood maybe uh, Dale Jr. was trying to say, maybe it didn't come off the way Dale Jr. maybe would have 
wanted it to, but I don't think Dale Jr. meant anything by it. I think he was trying to make a point. And if anything, at the end of the day, Tam, why not let it be Dale Jr. to say that? I would think Kevin Harvick knows Dale Jr. on a personal level. I think he would understand that Dale Jr. meant nothing negative by what he was saying. And I'm sure Kevin Harvick could have said, I think I know what Dale Jr. was saying, but he just said it wrong. Maybe I'll tell him off to the side and say, hey, I know what you were trying to say, but you said it like this and it sounded bad. But for Kevin Harvick to go out and call Dale Jr. out publicly in a negative way like that, that really pissed me off. I was like, what? You you understand what I'm saying? Am I making any sense, Tam? No, you're making perfect sense. But just to clarify some things, I guess we're speculating that he was upset about Dale Jr.'s comments because I can imagine as a fellow driver, I may have been a little like, why is Dale talking about everybody's money? But on the same token, apparently there was a question that prompted Kevin Harvick to make the comments he made about Dale Jr. possibly stunning the growth of NASCAR. So I don't think it was a correlation between him being mad about, well, I guess I can't say a correlation. We don't know for a fact if his comments were provoked by Dale Jr.'s comments on salaries and all that stuff. But it's safe to say that it was strange timing, make a long story short. Exactly. And then the other half of that, Tam, is what you just brought up. The fact that Kevin Harvick was saying that, you know, well, he felt like like Dale Jr. had stunted the growth of NASCAR because of all the legion of fans that he has gotten. And uh, he's the most popular driver. Well, why is he the most popular driver? He really hasn't really uh, won a whole lot in this sport. Well, if anything, Jimmy Johnson should be the most popular. Dri- See, this all sounds like sour milk right here. This all yes. sounds. This you know all what? sounds like I'm jealous. And you know what? I'm not going to say I should be the most popular driver. So instead of me sounding so bitter right now, well, I'm going to throw my buddy Jimmy Johnson in the mix so that it doesn't make it look like I'm so bitter. See, that's what that that's what that sounds like, Tam. One thing he said that I thought was like the ouch moment is when he was like, he's won nine races in 10 years. <laughs> I, I was like, oh, God, yeah, like I cringe when he said that because. Here's the thing, we really need to accept that that everything he said was fact, but minus the fact that he said he stunted the growth. Because find that it's one of those things you want to agree with some of what he says, but you're just mad that he said it. So you're like, no, I can't agree with any of it. But the reality is a few things was facts. Yeah, you know oh. what? You're right. They And, and here, here's where I, I stand on that. If I could talk to Kevin Harvick, I basically would say this. You know what, Kevin? You are absolutely right. Everything that just came out of your mouth is absolutely true. And I looked at the stat sheet and you know what? It's 100% correct. But what he fails to understand and what I would tell Kevin Harvick is like what you fail to understand is because you seem like you're maybe, me and Kevin Harvick are probably around the same age. But you know what the difference is, is that I, I know the difference of what it is today as compared to back in the day. And you know what it is? that I, I would have one sentence for him. Don't hate the player, hate the game. And that's all this basically is what <laughs> this is. You cannot blame Dale Jr. for being the most popular driver in NASCAR. 
And it's just like I tweeted a couple of days ago, Tam, remember? And basically, like, does he really think Dale Jr. went out and forced everybody to be Dale Jr. fans? Like, that would be highly impressive. If he has the secret formula for that, I would love to purchase that to put, you know, to use it in my in my comedy world, because I would love to get more fans. It's just a sign of the times. I just don't think that Kevin Harvick understands that it's not anything Dale Jr. did. And he certainly didn't stunt the uh, growth of NASCAR on purpose. This is something that just happened after his father passed away. And we've talked about this before, Tam. All of, all of his dad's fans just happened to dump on, uh, or jump, on, jump on, his, on his wagon. That's just the way it was. It is what it is. Yeah, I man. I don't even know what to say because, like I said, there was some validity in certain things that he said. But they're just disrespectful to say. And we will leave it at that because that to me is just, I think that's more of a one-sided drama because Dale squashed it by saying he was hurt and he would like to have a conversation with him one-on-one. Right. And he said he still respected him. He said he still respected him as an ambassador. that's how classy, exactly. That's how classy Dale Jr. is. Kill him with kindness, right? If that that would have been Kyle Busch, Kyle Busch would have called him everything but a child of God and and everything else. And speaking of the name calling, him and Brad, I don't know, they're they're back at it. Oh my god. The whole thing has gotta do with sandbagging and cars being juiced up, souped up, Toyota this, Ford not doing that, and you know, I'm not sure why Brad was calling them out like that, but I was just trying to understand where's Brad going with this. And then I was like, and then Kyle comes on and uh, he just calls him a moron. And I, I mean, not that that was surprising me, but you're right. I'm surprised he didn't call him more names than that. But I don't know where Brad was going with that, Tim. <laughs> Some people are speculating that Brad tried to pump up NASCAR to do some more inspections and. Mm-hmm. Then perhaps they sandbagged because they didn't want to be the cars pulled into the R&D center after the race. It's a much to do about nothing. The reality is, is that Martin Truex car is super fast. If the car is on some juice and we don't know about it, it is what it is. Right. That Toyota is getting around that track weekend. Weekend, weekend after weekend after weekend after weekend, like nobody's business. So here's the thing. Instead of complaining about it, go back to the lab and figure it out. Yeah, I totally agree. And that's all I think we can say about that. Because again, it's all these allegations of sandbagging and this and that. It's just a much to do about nothing. Now, if they wreck on the track, then we'll have some real drama. Right. You know, I wanted to say uh, something uh, going back to uh, what we were talking about uh, with Dale Jr. and Harvick. Uh, you, you know, what I thought was really kind of awesome was uh, your boy, Clint Boyer, actually had something to say about that whole thing that happened. And and what I loved about Clint Boyer was he basically said what I was referring to uh, um, a few minutes ago. And he said that this is kind of unfair that we hold Dale Jr. to a high standard. It's almost like the sport expects him to carry NASCAR and keep carrying this torch. And it's kind of like a burden on his shoulders for him because he didn't ask for this, uh, Tam. And, 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 and I was really glad that Clint Boyer, who's been driving longer than Dale Jr., obviously, he understood 
the position that Dale Jr. was left in after his father passed away. What he was also saying was, you know, when Dale Jr. does step away, now it's it's their responsibility and meaning Clint Boyer's responsibility, Kevin Harvick's responsibility, all of these drivers' responsibilities to continue to keep putting NASCAR out there and put a, a, put a product on the track that's going to continue to keep fans coming back and watching that sport, not just let it go after Dale Jr. walks away, not just going, well, okay, so Dale's gone. So now we're just going to just, you know, show up and just race. No, he, he, Clint understands what Dale Jr. has done for this sport and he, and he certainly appreciates it. He said that, but now as he steps, as Dale Jr. steps away, I thought it was really cool that Clint, Clint said that, Hey, now, now it's our responsibility to continue to help NASCAR improve and put a good product on the track so that the fans can keep coming back and more fans will keep coming back even after Dale Jr. walks away. I thought that was really cool. That was very cool. But here's the big thing. It's not about the product. I think the difference between NASCAR and say Formula E or Formula One or IndyCar for that matter, and and not to say that people who follow those particular motorsports racing series aren't into the personalities of the drivers. But what makes NASCAR unique is the fact that it is truly about the drivers. Right. And right. that's why Dale Jr. is popular. Mm-hmm. And let's be honest, I don't care what anybody say. The sport is going to take a huge hit next year. It's taking a huge hit now because who? where do we go from here? All my drivers are gone. Carl Edwards is gone. Greg Biffle is gone. Tony Stewart is gone. Yeah. Jeff Gordon is gone. Like, who the hell is left? Yeah. Who am I left to root for? Where is the storyline? Who can I attach myself to? I don't want to hear anything else about Eric Jones' dad passing away. Like, they've beat that storyline into <laughs> yeah, the ground. I, yeah, I, I understand. You know, that. Daniel is like, okay, he's the Mexican driver from Mexico. Okay, where are the storylines? Who am I going to naturally gravitate to? And I think that that's why I think so many people really, uh, and especially a lot of the fans that that are Dale Jr. fans, really, you know, take a liking to him even more because Dale Jr. seems to have been the only one that really understands the changing of times here. I mean, who else has a podcast who else has a periscope or, or not, not a podcast, but who else has a periscope and a live chat line going on after each and every race going on his private jet plane? The only one I see with the one who, who goes out and reaches out to his fans like that is Dale Jr. I, I don't see Kevin Harvick having a, a live periscope afterwards, you know, which I totally understand. Now he's got a wife, he's got a kid. And you know what? Sometimes you just want to relax. I had a hard day. I raced. I'm tired. I just want to relax with my family. I totally get that. But if I could relate that in terms of like what, what I see, it's the same thing. And the way that I see the way we are in the comedy business, a lot of the older veteran comedians who are still trying to make a name for themselves, they feel like being on social media is they're too old for that. And I'm like, look, I might be 40 something years old, but I understand this game. And I understand that the, the, the game of getting your name out there has changed with, with the whole social media life that we live in nowadays. 
and I'm on everything. And just like I always tell our fans each and every week, Tim, I mean, you can find me across the board on everything. You can find me on Snapchat. You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook. I think I still have a couple of MySpace accounts. I don't know why, but, <laughs> but it's like, I get it. But a lot of these older comedians, they're like, oh, I'm too old for that. I'm like, well, all right, if you're too old for that, then that's why you're still struggling working in these B comedy clubs, you know, in Fontana, California. You know what I mean? It's just like, but I get it. You know, sometimes drivers, they don't want to do that. And then now, you know, with Dell Jr. leaving, you know, we'll see what happens. But again, where does that leave NASCAR? That's exactly. my biggest thing. Like, where do we go from here? It's one thing like you lost Tony Stewart. First of all, you lost a rainbow warrior. You lost the man, Jeff Gort. Yeah. And then the next year you lose Tony Stewart. Then the next year you lose Carl Edwards and Greg Biffle. And granted, Carl Edwards and Greg Biffle impact weren't as big as possibly Jeff Gordon or Tony Stewart. The reality is that the sport goes on. But to what extent? Because now you're losing Dale Jr. Again, no Dale Jr., no Carl Edwards, no Greg Biffle, no Tony Stewart, no Jeff Gordon. And then you're facing the possibility of not having Casey Kane and Matt Kenseth. This is just a valid question. It is. That's a huge shakeup, man. I mean, you're talking about some drivers that are, are really good and have been driving for a long time. And I mean, it just, it, I, it, it seems like it's, it's too fast, maybe like the, like the changing of the guard argument. is too fast. Yeah. It is too fast. Like, I don't even feel like it's the changing of the guard. Cause to be honest, you have now granted Alex Bowman has, um, run a couple of races so he actually won't be a rookie when he races next year because he's run a couple of cup races but it's like dang like you're throwing William Byron Alex Bowman you know you still got Eric Jones and Daniel Suarez and all these other what's the guy the joy or whoever like yeah it's about three or four drivers I don't even know their names that race (laughs) each week I know. It's it's so crazy. You know, so you throw all of them in next year and we're really going to be staring at the TV. In fact, I will put it in perspective and sum it up so we can move to the next sure. Let's do next it. topic. Each week, there are a couple of drivers who are on the track and I don't even know their car numbers. And you're talking about this is you're talking. I'm someone who pretty much. My day, not a day goes by where NASCAR is not a part of my daily life. Right. Whether I'm preparing for the podcast or I'm doing something on social media or reading some notes or something like that. So I'm not putting a lot of weight on, oh, I don't know a number. So that must mean something. But the reality is, I'm sure some of you guys that are listening to this podcast, you can't tell me what number car Jeffrey Earnhardt is driving. I know I don't. <laughs> In fact, do you even know what number, what's the car that Chris Busher is driving? Wow. And he's won Good a race. Question. Yeah. Uh-huh. Sure has. I only remember that Eric Jones is in the 77 car because Truex Jr. is in the 78 car and they both race for the same team. Right. But there are some times where I'm like, who's the 77? I'm, I'm just being honest. Yeah. So moving on. And taking our honesty to the next next thing in the podcast. Oh, God, we still got a few things to cover. Bubba Wallace's future. Does he have one? Will he be in a number 10 car? Some people think he will. 
Then there's conversation, rumblings, whispers that he'll be in a number 43 car. I'm not quite sure what's going to happen to Bubba, but it was great to see Bubba go back down. Like that's almost like it's different than Kurt Busch who runs in the truck series because he wants to. Bubba has no other options. Like it's uh, think about it. Bubba was in truck. He moved up to Xfinity, then got an opportunity to run in cup because he doesn't have a ride in Xfinity and was bumped all the way back to trucks. Yeah. But the great thing is he won in his debut. He sure did. You can't really call it the debut, but in his no. first race back in the truck season, he won, which made us think, does this guy really deserve a cup car? And why isn't he in a cup car? We all know he's not driving in Xfinity because there's no sponsorship. Right. But I would like to think the powers to be at NASCAR can make something happen. Yeah, that would be awesome. And you know what? It was so exciting and so nice to see him win that uh, race uh, this past weekend. Just to see him so happy. And I was so happy for him. He he looked like a teenager all over again who just who won his first contest of anything. And uh, it, it was so nice to see him standing there and so excited. I was really happy for him, Tim. And I really hope that he ends up in, in whether it's Xfinity or Cup Series, I would really like to see him in a stock car. We're going to just put it out there. We believe in the powers to be and that Bubba Wallace will have a ride in 2018. Yes, ma'am. Okay, so it is that time of the show where we talk about our fan comment of the week. And Let's do it. We give you our predictions. So let's go into our fan comment of the week. We will keep it simple. We will read a fan comment straight from our Twitter account, which is at turns, no breaks. And just a reminder, we're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at turns, no breaks. You can listen to the show on iTunes, Stitchers, Google Play, Whatever you have, whether it's an Android, iPhone, PC, or MacBook Pro, the show is one click away. Don't know how to find it? Feel free to go to our website, allturnsnobreaks.com. And as soon as you open up the website, you will see the latest episode. Just click on and subscribe. Okay, so now we got a little housekeeping out the way. And you know, every week we got to remind you guys and also leave us a comment. We want to know what you think of the show. I don't know. I feel like we're going to have to do some giveaways in order to get you guys to leave comments. We know you're (laughs) listening. We just want your feedback. Okay. So this week's fan comment of the week is taken straight from our Twitter chat that happens every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Twitter, on the Twitter. Remember when we used to always say the Twitter? The Twitter. Yeah, I remember that. (laughs) I believe you came up with that. (laughs) With the Twitter? The Twitter. Yeah. Okay, so I guess we can just keep it simple. We can take our first question for today's Twitter chat was, will Bubba Wallace Jr. be in a cup car next season? If so, will it be the number 10 car or will he drive for another team? And many of you chimed in just really quickly. NASCAR Daily, that's at NASCAR Daily on Twitter. 
He says that I think he could be in a cup car. It depends on sponsorship. If Amarola goes to SRH, which is or SHR, Stewart House Racing, maybe Bubba gets the 43. That's not going to happen. I don't know where that has kind of popped up, but I don't see Eric going to Stewart House. I could be wrong, but I don't. Well, maybe they think he's going to drive to number 10 because I don't think Kurt is going anyplace. Yeah, yeah, I don't think so either. But that's just my thought. Then there's another comment that actually wouldn't be shocked if Eric goes to SHR. Rumor is that he and Smithfield, which is his sponsor, are a package deal looking for an upgrade from RPM, which is Richard Petty Motorsport. Upgrade? Can you talk about when? How about, okay, I'll just take it as simple as, can you give me a couple of top tens before you talk about upgrade? <laughs> I'm just saying, like, he's not yeah. the driver like that. Right, right. You know, you're in the king Richard Petty's car, but in any event, Somebody else chimes in and says, there are tons of rumors going around. Last one was 44 with some Disney sponsor. Okay, I didn't hear that. But hey, he would be a good candidate, as in Bubba Wallace, for a Disney sponsor. And that last comment was by AceNorm7368. That's his user. And the comment before that was from Real... A-R-T-Z-08. So that's R-E-A-L-A-O-R-T-I-Z-08. Another comment from our guy, Ryan underscore Goodrum. And you've heard that name on the podcast before because he always chimes in on our Twitter account and we appreciate that. He says, please correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't Eric Amarola in the final year of contract? I picked the 43. So he's saying that he thinks Bubble being a 43. So all this Eric Amarola stuff floating around, I'm not quite sure, but we'll see. One last comment. Yeah, because I don't know what his contract is with uh, Richard Petty. So I, I don't, I couldn't comment on that either, but uh, I sure would like to find out if, if it is in fact his last year going into uh, uh, that contract. I, actually, two more comments. Front Row Kenny on Twitter, one of our Good, good uh, friend to the show and shout outs to Front Row Kenny. He just celebrated a birthday. Happy He's, birthday, Kenny. Hey. He says, I think that win on Saturday is going to make his case stronger to be in a cup ride. However, I'm not sure about him in the 10 next year. This is true. And then last comment comes from Larry Lee. His user is at LBLEE58. He says, one can always hope so, but it's going to come down to who can secure sponsor money. I think it will come to the same thing for Danica slash SHR 10. I don't think even if Danica had a sponsor, she's coming back, but I could be wrong. We'll see. So on that note, it is time for some Hello, prediction time. <laughs> it's time for Tam and Renee's race predictions. Renee, who you got? All right, so uh, I, you know, I wanna, I wanna start saying that I wanna, I wanna start picking some drivers that that I'd I'd like to see get in to the playoffs, and um, it looks like some of the drivers are actually gonna squeak in by points. 
And um, I, I think that that's probably going to end up happening for 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 at least two of them because just the way this whole season is played out. Here's the way I'm going to go with this this weekend. I want to go with Matt Kenseth winning this race because I feel like Matt understands what the circumstances are. I think he understands the pressure that's put on right now because it's we're coming down the home stretch here. We're running out of races. <laughs> there's not there's not enough left for error. So I'm going to go with Matt Kenseth winning this one. And my dark horse, I'm just going to say Martin Truex Jr. You know, between him and Kyle Larson, I don't know. These guys are in another zone. But, you know, I'm going to go with Matt Kenseth winning this race. And I'm just going to go with Martin Truex as my as my dark horse. And then I, that, I'm sticking to it. Those are Renee's picks and he's sticking to it. So I'm going to try and stick to something I said last week, but it may be hard. But before I give you my predictions, which are tied into what I said last week, I'm going to give you the past 10 winners. And we're at Bristol, just so you know. I feel like Renee always forgets to say his picks for the, the track, but I'm going to tell you. I, we're do, at I, get, Bristol. I get so I get so excited just to want like to say. To just jump in and start yeah, talking. Yeah, I know. I know. I just like to jump right into the water. Okay, so we have two races each year at Bristol, one in April and one in August. Our past 10 winners for the race in August include Harvick, who won in 2016, Joy Logano, who won in 2015, Joy also won the August race in 2014, Matt Kenseth in 2013, Denny Hamlin 2012, Brad Keselowski 2011, and 2010, as well as 2009, Kyle Rowdy Bush took the checker flag in 2008 as well as 2007 it was Carl Edwards mama that goes that man oh my goodness I can't wait till this guy comes back if he doesn't come back I think I may quit the sport I don't know (laughs) okay so some notable patterns that I have seen in the last you know since we've been at Bristol Kurt Busch is a five-time winner at Bristol but his last win came in 2006. Kyle Busch is also a five-time winner in the Cup Series at Bristol. His last win was in 2011. But guess what? Kyle Busch is also an eight-time winner in Xfinity. Wow. That guy, all he does is win those Xfinity races. Right. That's why they made that Kyle Busch law limited. Well, Kyle Busch uh, rule, not law, limited. Right. The amount of time cup drivers can race. Matt Kenseth, my man, is a four-time winner at Bristol. And Brad Keselowski, Jimmy Johnson, and Joey Logano are all two-time winners at Bristol. So on that note, last week I told you until the end of the regular season, I was only going to pick Matt Kenseth, Chase Elliott, or Clint Boyer to win. Mm -hmm. Right? So what are you going to do? So I am going to pick Matt Kenseth as my winner for Bristol. And I'm going to go against my better judgment because I feel like Kyle Busch has it in him. But because I said I was going to go with Matt, Clint, or Chase, I have to go with Clint as my dark horse and then Kyle Busch as my dark, dark horse. Uh Can I do that? You can definitely do that. You can do anything okay, you want. Well, it's done. So let's wrap it up. 
All right. Well, there you have it. Those are her predictions. Those are my predictions. If you got predictions, let us hear about them. You can hit us up on our uh, fan pages and uh, our Twitter, our uh, Facebook, and our Instagram. Please hit us up. Like I say each and every week, thank you for listening to our podcast. If you have any fans that you know that love NASCAR just as much as me and you do, do remember, this is a podcast for fans by fans. We always appreciate you guys tuning in. We always appreciate your support. And be kind to each other. And we're going to see you again next week here on another episode of All Turns No Breaks. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for tuning in with Tam and Renee. 